Progressive Rugby League. Ladies and gentle people, g'day. It's time for another instalment of the Progressive Rugby League podcast. John and Duncan here, and as has been said relentlessly over the last month or so, crazy times. What no one has called this period is unprecedented, and I intend to coin that very term today. I'm clearly joking. But unprecedented times means we're doing things a little differently here at PRL HQ, so you won't be hearing our usual structure of episode, which is a bit of a shame, but not necessarily a bad thing. It's always good to mix things up, right? Shake it up, right? Chuck it around, right? Right. Anyway, we'll be popping out the odd pod here and there when we have something interesting to share over the next weeks and months, be it an interview or book club, that kind of thing. We think today is one of those instances. We are very lucky to be joined by a man who you may have come across one way or another over the past few years. You might have caught some of his champagne rugby league commentary if you found yourself watching a Super League or NRL game while traipsing through France. Or perhaps more likely, you might have caught some of his classic commentary moments that went viral via social media. Because when you approach the game with such delight and enthusiasm, how can you go anything but viral? And that's the good kind of viral, not the pandemic kind. It's our great pleasure to welcome Rodolf Pires to our show today. Rodolf is a television journalist, commentator, head of rugby at BN Sports in France, an all-round nice guy, and he joins us from his lockdown life in downtown Paris. Rodolf, hello and welcome to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Hello, Jero. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. You will be the first one I'm going to talk to for a long, long time. So, <laughs> so I'm quite happy. Oh, well, let's I've get comfortable the then. Same, yeah, I've been saying the same thing for the last 20 days. Uh, uh, go to bed to the kids. I love you to my partner. And that's all I said. So I, <laughs> I'm happy to talk about rugby league, to be honest. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, let's talk some rugby league. Well, how is it going? over there in Paris at the moment how are people handling everything how are you handling the lockdown well, well actually I'm not I'm not in Paris because I had the chance to move from Paris just after they, the government asked us to okay. choose a location mm-hmm. for the lockdown so we, we had a couple of hours to, to choose a place and, and I chose my hometown Albi oh. city and so lockdown in Albi since uh, 20 days now okay. so it's a, it's, a, it's really a strange time because when I left Paris the day before we we left when my partner we had a, a walk in Paris it was Saturday night and we enjoyed a, a meal in a, in a good restaurant mm. near Montparnasse where, where we live and the people were about to leave the city so the people were enjoying the last time of simple joy of having a drink mm. uh, eating in a restaurant with friends and it was a mix of uh, I would say uh, sadness and melancholy yeah. <laughs> as well and it was really strange and Obviously now the city is, because of the lockdown, the city is empty and people stay at home and, and they have to because mm. when we see what the, this kind of pandemic is, yeah. you, you better stay home. Does it get harder as time goes on, the lockdown, or do you get used to it? Because we in Australia are a bit are behind Europe, obviously, and it's not as intense as it is in Europe. Well, I'm a quiet man, to be honest. And of course, obviously, we all lack the physical contact with the people mm. and uh, because we uh, we stuck here um, I'm one of the lucky people having a house and, and a garden I can rest because the weather mm. uh, because what's terrible is spring here and uh, <laughs> the, the weather is brilliant mm. it's it, it's marvelous mm. the, the trees flowers and 
you cannot go out. So I'm lucky I have a garden, so I can stay in the garden at my house. And I'm, well, I, I'm not feeling that bad because I'm reading, I'm playing piano, I'm, ah. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself with my kids, and uh, I'm taking advantage of this situation. And you get closer to the one you you love. So. This is what I will remember from this lockdown because it's not over. And the mm. the French Prime Minister said two days ago that we will probably have to wait uh, another couple of weeks and mm. maybe more. So it's not finished. We, we're a little bit beyond uh, Australia in terms of uh, mm. lockdown. But I can tell you that the, uh, the the first two weeks they've been quite. Uh, intense because you, you always have things to do uh, when you're at home but uh, i'll tell you later on but <laughs> yeah. now, so far so good i would say it sounds like you're making the best out of it a very tough situation now rudolf you're a sports broadcaster obviously at bn sports you commentate on rugby union and rugby league you're the head of rugby and so what has been the impact on your workplace it sounds like you guys are taking a bit of a break well, the impact is huge. For instance, today, it's Saturday morning in France, mm-hmm. and I should be in Clermont-Ferrand for the quarterfinals of the Heineken Cup, mm-hmm. which is the European Cup uh, Rugby Union. I should have been there, and I should have been in Toulouse uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, it changes a lot because we're home we're not supposed to go to the office and we are not working because there's no work anymore apart from exotic football championship in belarus i guess (laughs) Uh, there's nothing else on earth uh, in terms of sports so we stuck home and we stay there and we will be next week next monday we will start doing things with skype it's not going to be the same shows that we're doing obviously Mm. but we'll have a host that will host people from his house through uh, Skype. Okay. And we'll have chats and we have people in the station, still people working there that are going to collect uh, footage and then edit this to in order to have a, a proper show. But things are, are different. And, and to be honest, we have uh, a lot of trouble to see exactly what, what's ahead mm. because... France is a country sport. People love soccer here, mm. and soccer is gone. Rugby union is gone. Mm. No more tennis, no more. So people are starting now, after two weeks, to feel sad about the, the sport because they lack their daily shot of sport, I would mm. say. Now, Rodolphe, let's talk a bit about rugby league. Can you tell us a bit about your relationship with rugby league? Say you grew up in Albi, a rugby league city. Is that how you became a fan of the sport? Because it's obviously not a big sport in France. No, it's not. The relationship I have with this sport, you, you, cannot, you can't explain it, can you? Mm. You, you? You love it because you love it. You cannot say, well, you love your children. They're your kids, so you love them. Whatever they do, uh, they might be brats, you love them anyway. <laughs> and same for rugby. You have to love it, even if it's been full of disappointment in France. Even if mm. you still love it. I fell in love with this sport when I saw it first time in Albi because I'm from there, born and bred in Albi. And I was uh, something like seven or eight when I saw my first game. This Albi side was French champion back in 1977. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up watching games with this uh, formidable team they had. And mm. they were champion 20 years before in the late 50s. They had a fantastic team and some players played this memorable tour in Australia in 51 and in 1960 mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of a legacy here in rugby, with rugby league, much more than rugby union. Okay. Uh, and even if today it's different, the union is so strong in France. Mm. But when you're a kid and you watch a game and you watch a game live, 
you can't just fall in love with it because of what you see on the pitch because it's fast it's hard and people were even at that time well trained they had foreign players as well mm. and you you didn't see that that much in rugby union at the same time but we had Aussie players mm-hmm. or Kiwi players in small cities in the south of France and this brought to the game something really different you, you met people with weird accents <laughs> uh, coming from Australia and you can meet strange people coming from the other side of the world which was uh, uh, exotic at that time yeah. and, uh, and they brought to the game of course the physicality technique everything you need for such a game uh, as rugby league so it was love at first sight really when you watch a game of rugby league and it followed me all the way till today and I got the chance to be working in in rugby league and it, it's my job today and, and I'm quite lucky and I'm like all the Australian fans who love their rugby league or British fans we feel like you know orphans now because mm. we <laughs> we miss our favourite sport yeah Rodolf can you tell us a bit about rugby league culture in, in those parts of the south of France where rugby league has a, a bit of a hold and how does it compare today to what it was when you were growing up? Because I know it's it's not a huge sport even in the south, but in towns where rugby league is played, is it still part of the identity of the towns or is there a bit of a generation gap with the younger people? Well, I would say that you're right. There's, there was this gap for a long time and now things are changing because of the involvement of former players who became coaches mm-hmm. uh, and then became president of clubs CEOs of club, if you will. And when I see cities like Albi, for instance, or others, it's not just here, but you have these people who were still involved in in rugby league and they could have done something else. They Mm. could have get more popularity, more money elsewhere, but they they stayed with their game and they, they stood with their game, which is important. When I was a kid, when I was seven or eight years old, the extraordinary aura of the game was over because I, I'm too young to have known these golden years of, of rugby league in the in the 50s. Mm. My father started playing rugby league in 1949. I, I had a discussion with him once mm. and it sounds very, very far away in time, but he, he started playing in 40, 1949 and he said that there were a lot of teams playing at the same time. Local rugby was really strong. He was playing for the union team of his the factory was working. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't imagine such a thing now. Mm. And we are struggling. Uh, rugby league is really struggling in France because mm-hmm. compared to the other games, I read something about the, uh, the problems the, the players might have playing in a stadium behind closed doors with no crowd there. Rugby league players in France are used to that now, <laughs> so it doesn't bother us here. When for the domestic championship, yeah. of course, so we played for the small crowds. Mm. And what I see for my personal uh, history with rugby league, I've I've been witnessing this this kind of uh, decay, I mm-hmm. would say. But we still have people believing in it and who don't want this game to stop, mm. and that's why. Me or others uh, that you know, especially my my friend Laurent Garnier, mm. we don't want to give up, and we set up a few things to try to to make this uh, rugby league better in the future. Mm. Now, yes, actually, I went with my colleague Big Al. We went to France last year, and we got a bit of a taste of rugby league culture in the south of France. And you're right; it, it is obviously a very small sport. But the passion is undeniable. So as long as that's there, it will hopefully 
remain alive and kicking to some extent. Now, Rodolf, we know that the game mostly operates in the south of the country and there is a rugby league culture in, in certain parts. But what about other areas? You live in the north in Paris. Is there any rugby league in the north or elsewhere? Would people in that part of the country even know if it still exists? Well, obviously, rugby league is strong in the south. You've been to France and you've seen it with your own eyes. I started a, we started with a couple of friends. We were four at that time, a club in the suburbs of Paris. Of course, there have been rugby league in Paris for a long time, Mm -hmm. a long time. And we started a new club back in 2000. And we tried to get new players, new people to this game. Because in Paris at that time, people didn't know that much about rugby at all. And that was a chance for us. And the um, thing is, I had a lot of problems to get people behind us at that time because politically, it was not a real wheel from the, the federation at that time. So mm. um, you know how France is sometimes stuck into political problems. Mm. And uh, in rugby league, of course, we, we had at that time the, the same problem. But anyway, we had a lot of uh, difficulties to bring new people to the game in the, the northern part of, of France. Mm-hmm. There, there are teams in Paris. There's a local... We could have a local championship in Paris, but it's really difficult to get people mm. because most of the people who work in Paris are not from there. They are mainly from the south. And then few people born and raised in Paris still get involved in, in rugby league. But mainly people coming from the south and when they stop working in the capital city they they go down to the south and they come back to the to the grassroots rugby league they know mm-hmm. which is a good thing as well mm-hmm. but it's really difficult the the last time we had a rugby league team in paris that was a really exciting uh, prospect was the PSG rugby league of obviously uh, with the super league or europe uh, starting but it's a long time ago now <laughs> It was fun while it lasted those two years, wasn't it? Now, Rodolphe, for those of us who love French rugby league from afar and want to feel the spirit of the game in France, are there any French rugby league phrases or terms that you can share with us that we can learn here in Australia? (laughs) You could learn uh, Adis. Adis? Adis. 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 Tell me, what's that mean? Yes. 10 meters. 10 meters. 10 meters. <laughs> yes, of Simple course. Simple as that. Or, or you could say, uh, depuis le début, to the ref. Oh, yeah. Course, obviously, depuis le début, since the beginning. Oh. Just the ref. Oh, yeah. so that's like what we say in Australia. You've been doing it all day, ref. Or they've been doing it all day. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> this is worldwide, as you say. <laughs> that's right. Universal language rugby league, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> now, Rudolf, you, of course, work at BN Sports. And until this season, the Catalan Dragons... Those games were broadcast into France, but that agreement has ended. So there are no Dragons or Super League games shown in France any longer, although the NRL is still shown. Can you take us through the challenges for minor sports such as Rugby League in France in getting on TV? Because it seems like sports broadcasters around the world are starting to take their resources out of the minor sports and start concentrating on their bigger attractions like soccer in Europe, for instance. Uh, yes, unfortunately, yes. And rugby league is one of those minor sports. Yes, absolutely. Rugby league in France would be probably dead if uh, we didn't show the games the last 20 years because every sport needs TV coverage. Mm. The the smaller sport, everybody needs it. And, and the thing is, the bigger you are, the more you struggle now with this lockdown mm. because the 
soccer is uh, struggling a lot. They don't know exactly how they're going to end up the the season, mm. even if they were not far away from the end. But say, same for rugby union. No. The thing is, rugby league is a minor sport here. So um, if there's no coverage, TV coverage, especially for the Catalan Dragons, mm. It's a big blow for them, and we tried to uh, fix the situation, but we couldn't get to the to the point where we could have said we're going to broadcast it again. And it's uh, and for me, it's been a uh, it's been really sad because mm. I I thought we could achieve it, but unfortunately we couldn't. But mm. we'll see next year, and it's it's a big disappointment as well because the Catalan Dragons maybe have one of the best sides mm. they they had in the history of the club. Yeah, well, James Maloney, Israel Folau, there's. Two very high-quality players, and I'm sure people in France would be very excited to see them. Yeah, you know in Australia, Rudolf, there's a lot of talk about how we can grow International Rugby League further, and France always comes up. People say, let's get France strong again, like it's easy, like you can just press a button. And I've been guilty of that myself, but I think our conversation shows that it's just not that easy. Now, as a, as a fan of Rugby League who works in the sports media... Is there anything you think that Rugby League can do to improve its exposure or improve its image in the eyes of the French public? The problem with the French Rugby League is that they uh, lost all the connections they had mm. uh, back in the past, in the, in the 50s or 60s, when they were linked to uh, big corporations and they were linked to uh, fishes in, in politics. They lost all this network. Mm-hmm. And it's not even, I would say that it's not even a problem of money. It's a problem of men. Mm-hmm. It's a problem of connection. If you're not connected to the uh, the right people, you're not going to, if we look at what the game has become in Australia, mm-hmm. it's all strong. You can't deny that you, when you have a, a prime minister who says, I'm going to watch my favorite team on the round of NRL, I, I, yeah. it's, it's a dream for a <laughs> rugby league fan. Yeah. Because we never had any prime minister, any any president, or any minister, I would say, that was interested in the game so much that he would do anything to be on time to watch a game of his favourite side. Mm. And that's that's why it's not that simple. As you said, you, you cannot press the button and say, okay, let's make French rugby great again. Mm. But we are a few people to think that the uh, solution might come from elsewhere and maybe from the outside now. Okay. Because that's uh, mainly why I'm really happy to be part of a, a crazy, but uh, I'm sure very fruitful project, which is uh, taking young French players, mm. bring them to Australia, and my friend Laurent Garnier and others here in Australia through the uh, the Melbourne Storm. We're doing. We believe in taking these kids, some kids from the metropole here in France, but some from. French Polynesia as well, mm-hmm. taking those kids, bring them to Australia and take them uh, young and teach them what they have to do, try to find the best that would be uh, great competitors in, in the Australian competition. And let's make those kids men and men of rugby league for the following years. Mm. And we will probably need this for the for the French domestic championship or the Super League, but also for the the French side because mm. we need to have a, a a national side strong again. And less we can say that we were not that brilliant the last two World Cups. Mm. Yeah, well, it's really good to have someone like Laurent 
in the thick of it at the Melbourne Storm because he can pass on to the young French to tell them what it will take to make it in rugby league. So that's really valuable. And it's great to hear that you're involved in that as well. And I suppose is it's kind of like trying to use the, the Tonga model of gaining strength in an NRL competition and then the national team strengthening from that. So it sounds like that's what you guys are, are sort of basing that on. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. The thing is, we're planning to have a, uh, a French-speaking team in the uh, Interest Super Cup wow. uh, quite soon to be able to compete with the teams in, in this competition, which is a great competition. If you, if you compare with what we have in Europe, it's a tough competition and we'd like those players to be competing in this uh, Interest Super Cup because it's the only way we can build a team, just like you said, Tongan model is uh, exactly what we're mm. looking for to achieve. And we're working. Like you said, my, my dear friend Laurent is working hard and, and others, of course, with him. He's not alone, obviously, because it takes a lot of energy to, to make all this happen. But, mm. we're, we, but we're working on it because we have, we have a tremendous number of players in French Polynesia. They know the game. They love the game. They watch the game on television. They watch the game and, they, and they're not far away from Australia. Mm. And it's still France, and it's France as much as it is France here where I live. Mm. So we never seriously took advantage of this situation because we're not far away from Australia. This can ease all the exchanges we can have people in Australia. It's it's a chance, and mm. that's what we're trying to achieve, bringing a, a French side into a, a strong competition very soon. Fantastic. I hadn't heard that. That sounds like a, a fantastic idea, and... We are very lucky that uh, we have people like yourself and Laurent still in French rugby league because we have spoken on this show a couple of times to obviously Mike Rylance and we know all about what French rugby league has been through over the decades. So it's fantastic to have you guys who are just so passionate about keeping it going and bringing it back to a state of strength. So wonderful stuff. Now, Rodolphe, as I said in my intro, many listeners would have come across you by hearing snippets of your commentary. You have commentated countless games of rugby league, including some of the greatest moments in recent history, including this. The 2018 Challenge Cup final, where the Catalan Dragons held on to beat Warrington. Many, many thousands of people would have seen the footage of you and your colleague, the great Louis Bonnetty, count down the final seconds as the Dragons became the first non-UK club to win Rugby League's most famous prize. What was that like? Oh, when I, <laughs> uh, I have goosebumps yeah, right now, <laughs> I, I, I swear. Uh, thinking about this, really, it's crazy, huh? because you, it's a long time ago now, and even um, I have goosebumps, it's... <laughs> It's like it's like if I was uh, I was about to cry right now. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Still remains like something. It's an out of time moment mm. because we we were there for the very first game of the Catalan Dragons in Super League. I was in the stands watching the first game of PSG Rugby League in, in Charlotte Stadium in Paris. Mm. And I was uh, in Perpignan when the uh, UTC was a glorious ancestor of the Catalan Dragons mm-hmm. and working on the games on television. Laurent was playing with Presse Catalan at that time and we were showing the games on TV. So we've seen all this mm. process and we've seen Catalan Dragons so close to winning big games and losing them. 
we saw them struggling in the competition sometimes with referees you want to tell them depuis le début like I said <laughs> and we've seen them struggle a lot and that time this particular moment when, when you could hear the siren in Wembley and the dying seconds of the game this was a, a reparation this was a for all those moments where we cried with sadness after the losses of big games, mm. it was like, uh, okay, now it, it, the curse is over. <laughs> now now it, it's over. And it's such a, a joy and relief and many, many, many feelings mixed together. But obviously, it's one of the greatest moments of my, I wouldn't say career because I don't have a career, but my, <laughs> I would say my, my life uh, with this wonderful companion that, that is rugby league. And, and especially living this with my dear friend, Louis, Louis Bonariza. He's a great man. And we cried. We both cried. Mm. Louis, uh, maybe he wouldn't be happy to, if, I, if I said so. But <laughs> he's, uh, he passed the 70s and he cried that day like yeah. a baby. And we both cried and I, I took him in my arms and it was so uh, it, it, it's incredible said so finally they did it and yeah. and we were happy for all these kids that we saw growing in the game mm-hmm. from the very first game of Super League to to the final in Wembley mm-hmm. and winning this title this competition which is the oldest uh, trophy you can get in rugby league and uh, it was a real joy and, and more than that like uh, witnessing a, a miracle yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> that's beautiful and as you say, it does show the potential of French rugby league because at least half of that squad were French, including the man of the match, Tony Gigot. Yeah, just a, an amazing moment. What other games come to your mind as, as commentary highlights, either in Super League or Challenge Cup or the NRL? Oh, uh, probably Super League. The, the game the Catalan Dragons played in Wigan was a semi-final. Uh, and the game where Justin Murphy was running for uh, to get the ball and he, and he runs directly into the stairs. Oh, and, yes. And we were... Oh, you've probably seen that. I've seen that, yes. Uh, already. We were... I think I was... I thought Justin was dead. I said... And we saw him, as usual, smiling and bouncing and, and running and he was okay and we were so scared we, we thought we lost him yeah well really. just just for those people who haven't seen it Rodolf it was a, a kick that went through from one of the Catalans players and winger Justin Murphy was flying after it and yeah. he just ran straight into the, the grandstand the brick wall basically oh yes yeah yes oh, and it was scary as hell mm. and I would say that the in my memories I I remember the, um, the state of origin state of origin game always provide <laughs> fantastic memories really so I have a couple of things in mind that we, we saw it over and over but when you commentate them live I, I remember Brett Hodgson dragged by Golden Chalice out of the pitch <laughs> and because you, we've seen now it's part of the culture now because yeah. we've seen it the very first time I saw Golden Chalice in real but it was a long time ago maybe 15 years after yeah. I, I thought about this this particular moment and the first trial of Billy Slater, same thing, oh, in yes. the state of origin. Darren Lockyer kicking the ball and Billy Slater scoring the try. There's a, a difference between watching these, this thing over and over and watching highlights of great games and being in front of the mic mm. and living this. 
let's take an example for all the listeners of the podcast know the try the, the what's been called the, the miracle try in the state of origin if the caller would have thought before what he would have say he probably wouldn't have called this try a, a miracle try but yeah. now we all remember this try coin try as the uh, miracle try yeah you're talking and, about uh, 1994 queensland exactly. mark coin in the last minute the 100 meter try yeah amazing yes and so that's it, it's really different when you leave it when when you're in front of the mic mm-hmm. you always say afterwards well I, I could have been better because i just lived something extraordinary yeah and we are lucky I mean, we're a few of us, but we are lucky to be witnessing such things and to be modestly, humbly part of it. And when you look back the footage from the games you've been doing the commentary, and especially the you were mentioning the 2018 Challenge Cup final, mm. maybe Louis and I should have said something else. Maybe we should have cried live <laughs> on TV because we couldn't talk. Uh, <laughs> We couldn't talk and and silence when you're live on, on television is is terrible because there's silence and then you hear the noise of louis glasses falling from his nose because he's crying and this uh, so yeah it, plenty of memories yeah John. plenty of memories pl- plenty and hopefully still to come yeah well But, another one i've come across rodolfo is the 2015 nrl grand final between the north queensland cowboys and the Brisbane oh, broncos yeah. What a finish to that game. Oh, so yeah. I'll play that one for our audience as well. That was one of the greats as well. Because this week we're showing gold games of uh, uh, NRL in, mm-hmm. on Vin Sports this week. Mm-hmm. And so people will watch the game again, this final. I, I've always been a big fan of Jonathan Thurston. I, I admit it, I, uh, he was uh, such a fantastic player. And sorry, but I, I think I'm a little bit of a Queenslander as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no problem. So, and people told me uh, that. That day, Louis and I, we've been, we've been crazy, and especially me, because Louis is a gentleman. He can hold himself uh, <laughs> much more than me. But that day, yeah, that particular day, those are the moments where you, you don't control yourself. Things are happening, and you're out of it. Mm. You, you're out of it. You, you're doing it, and there's something else that guides you, in a way. And when you look back, and you listen to what you just said, you said, well, I never said such a thing <laughs> but but you did and it's like a state of meditation in a way yeah. because you you don't hold anything the, and, and this final yes what a scenario that's the beauty of it you will never be able to to write a scenario like this yeah. because people would say ah oh, no 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 way <laughs> no one is going to believe such a thing and, and that's what sport is, is great and especially rugby league and i'm trying to explain to rugby union lovers why i love this game yeah And I love this game because it's anything can happen. Mm. Of course, anything can happen in basketball or tennis or, or, or soccer, whatever. But rugby league is different. There is something different. The level uh, of excellence, physicality, the, the level of technique makes that at any time 
they can do something really great. The fantastic move, uh, a wonderful step, a try, a Superman style, a try, whatever. That's why I love this game so much. Mm. And the reason why I'm maybe more happy is when I find a, a young guy, 16, 17 years old, who plays uh, soccer or rugby union, and I tell him, well, maybe you should try to play rugby league. Oh, yeah. And it happened late. Yeah, it happened lately. And uh, when the week after the young guy comes back and say to me, hey, I tried this game is wonderful. It's oh. so fun to play. Yeah, that's why. That's where I feel really useful, really more yeah. than on television. To be honest, <laughs> that's beautiful. Now, as you say, you, you commentate with Louis Bonetti, but you also sometimes commentate with Laurent Garnier. He's a friend of yours, and he's we also call him a friend of the show. So do you have any stories about Laurent you can share? Because a lot of our listeners will hear us mentioning Laurent quite often. So can you give us an insight into the mystery man that is Laurent Garnier? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> His wife won't let me. <laughs> no, no, no. He's a great, great guy coaching now. Uh, Obviously, mm. he, first of all, he's my friend, my mm. good friend for more than 20 years. Mm. Uh, we bumped into each other when he was playing and I was uh, already working and he was playing for uh, Presse Catalan, which is one of the most famous clubs in, in, in France, mm-hmm. in Perpignan. And we've been together since, uh, even when he left France to, to live in Australia and to coach uh, here, which is a, a huge thing because he... He's the only French coach to have a all the levels and the honorary requires mm-hmm. to coach. And uh, he's a very, very qualified coach and he's a uh, very good coach. And he brings so much passion into the game. And he's, he had players that he took over in his home and who became uh, professional players, such as uh, Ben Garcia, mm-hmm. who played for the uh, under-20 Broncos, who plays for the Catalan Dragons now and had a stint with Penrith as well mm-hmm. with the Panthers and Benjamin Julien who plays for Warrington and plays for the Catalan Dragons so he knows he's the, the right guy to pick up the, the good players because of course there's not just the coaching part but he's the man who can easily identify the player that will have all what it takes to get to the to the next level mm-hmm. and it means that you have to know people as well not just rugby league and he's very good at that um, the only story I could say about him he's the uh, the nicest policeman I've ever seen <laughs> because he was a policeman okay but <laughs> he was not very dedicated I, I guess people could do whatever they wanted when, when he was on duty <laughs> <laughs> Really? Okay. All right. Oh, yes. He's my kind of policeman then. I like it. Very good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> well, Rudolf, thank you for those insights. I feel like we could talk all day, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It was a real joy. Our best wishes to you uh, and your country, women and men in France, as they go through this dreadful time and hopefully can look forward to sunnier days in the very near future. But thank you very much. All the very best, Rudolf, and thank you for joining us on the Progressive Rugby League podcast. That was wonderful. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Jenna, anytime. Thank you very much again. Thank you. Okay. Progressive Rugby League. What a lovely guy. Now, I don't know about you, but self-isolation life has its challenges, doesn't it? It's been a long couple of weeks. Then again, time just keeps rolling along and rolling along and circumstances evolve and things can change quickly reminds us that this will all eventually pass and we'll be back to a semblance of normality at least at some point soon. And when I say soon, it's all relative, isn't it? When I was a kid, my mum used to tell me, Dad will be home from work soon. Three hours later, he was back. 
So for the first seven years of my life, I thought the word soon meant a long way away. I'd take three hours now though. But in times like these, it's good to talk, to get things off your chest. And you know what? I wasn't going to do this, but you know, maybe I'll read my diary to you. Yeah, I've been keeping a kind of self-isolation diary. Where is it? Let me let me ruffle through my desk. Oh, yeah. Okay, here it is. Let me just flick to the latest entry. All right, here goes. Day 14, Rugby League Coronavirus Crisis Semi-Kinder Lockdown. Dear Diary, refer to Day 13. Day 13, Rugby League Coronavirus Crisis Semi-Kinder Lockdown. Dear Diary, refer to Day 12. They're all the same. Let me just flick through uh, the beginning. Here we go. Okay. Day one. Rugby league coronavirus crisis, semi kind of lockdown. Dear diary, my mind's a bit of a blur. No rugby league for the foreseeable future. Oh man. Will rugby league miss me while I'm gone? Will we recognize each other when this is all over? Will our feelings change? Will rugby league think of me? I'll sure as hell think of it. This is going to be a tough time, so I'm going to implement some rules to help me get through. 1. Keep a diary every day. No skimping on the details. 2. Mix it up. Walk around the park clockwise in the mornings and counterclockwise in the afternoons. 3. Hold my breath when I walk past any human being. Breathe normally around dogs. I hear they can't catch it. 4. Only check the news twice a day and only check rugby league Twitter twice an hour. Think about starting a thread on people's favourite bench player, but make sure the parameters are strictly set so the lists don't get cluttered with all-time greats. Yes, I'm aware Andrew John started on the bench in Origin once. 5. Nah, don't start that thread. 6. Take my footy down to the local park in case someone has a pump. It's a bit flat. If a kid asks me to pass it to him or her, let he or she know, from a distance, that it's not healthy to do so, as he or she may have coronavirus. Acknowledge, in solidarity, that I might have it too. Find a brick wall to practice my dummy half passes. Work on my right to left, even though I prefer throwing left to rights in public, as I'm a very vain human. 7. Read a few pages of Ian Hedges' Sturlow Story of a Champion every day. Nod knowingly at how times have changed. 8. Think of more rules tomorrow. Hmm, that seems to be it. You know, reading back, there's got to be a better way to put one's thoughts down. And I'm glad to say there is. Dr. Victoria Dawson is a historian from Hull, and she has set up the Life Without League project where you can write a diary entry on how you are travelling without rugby league and all that comes with it, the community aspect, the anticipation for the weekend, the thrill of seeing your team run out on the field, the roar of the crowd at a bursting line break, your pub meal before or after the game, or before and after the game, whatever's on your mind. You can help document this unique moment in history for future generations. Fans can contribute by going to lifewithoutleague.wordpress.com and you can download the template to fill out and get your thoughts down on paper. A great idea, I think, and a great contribution to help maintain the strong fabric of the rugby league community and help promote continuity between generations of rugby league fans. Isn't that nice? Now, I'm not sure if this is for UK fans only, but either way, check it out. Elsewhere, some signs that the NRL might be back up and running around June and may be based in a Queensland island resort. Tangaluma Island Resort is one option that's been thrown out there. Now, being from Sydney, I haven't heard the words... Tangaluma Island Resort since I was a little bitty kid watching a game show called Perfect Match. For those who don't know, Perfect Match was a blind date style dating game show where the winning couple would get an all expenses paid trip to Tangaluma Island Resort. It's a destination that made my imagination run wild as a youngster 
and it's making my imagination run wild all over again. NRL Island, the mind boggles. Before we wrap up, just want to say a big thanks to all who got in touch about our most recent book club on Patrick Skeen's The Big O, The Life and Times of Olsen Filipina. Check it out if you haven't had a chance or check out our previous book clubs. I think we've done about seven or eight now. Okay, that'll do for today. We'll be back in your earbuds at some point soon. We've got some ideas percolating, so keep an eye out on your player of choice. Thanks all. Rugby League Hobby. See ya. And as Big Al would say, In Rugby League we trust. I've been working on that one. Okay. 